0: Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to be Alone and Absolutely Own It, and the creator of the Alonement podcast you guessed it, today's episode is all about how to be alone. Something I'm really passionate about as well as someone who really values my alone time. I take myself off on solo trips sometimes and I really enjoy being by myself and it's something that I've learned to love. It's not something I was always very good at and I love Julia Cameron's suggestion of the artist date, taking yourself on a date to get creative and sort of stir new ideas by being alone and discovering things alone. Francesca speaks so brilliantly about this topic and she even coined the term alonement, which is very different from being lonely. And we talk about that, the difference between the two. And we talk about learning to enjoy our own company, what this means in the context of the pandemic as well. A lot of us were forced to be alone and a lot of us were forced not to be alone and probably craved a bit of alone time during all of that. We talk about tips and tools on how to embrace alone time if it's something you're quite afraid of or something that you haven't really challenged yourself to do much of it. And we speak about solitude in a more nuanced way because sometimes it's a bit extreme and we talk about the kind of murky grey bit in the middle as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Francesca. I really recommend her book and the podcast as well. Here is the conversation. I've wanted to do an episode on how to be alone, how to enjoy your own self and spending time with yourself for a long time. And you're just the most perfect guest to talk about this topic. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, Emma, thank you so much for having me on. You know that I'm a huge fan of this podcast and it's so lovely to be on speaking about alone month. So yeah, thank you. This is so great that we could make this happen.
0: Oh, Thank you so much. And I love Alone Meant the podcast. So for anyone that likes this podcast, you will love that one as well. But I wanted to start off before we dig into that topic. I read somewhere that you have been blogging for the past 10 years, which I didn't actually know. I knew that you'd studied magazine journalism and had been in the journalism writing space for a while. And we don't just pop out of the soil, do we? Like ready formed and like doing the podcast thing. Like you've worked a long time as we all have over the last 10 years or more. So would you be able to just paint a little bit of a picture for the listeners of kind of your career journey in a bit of a nutshell?
1: Yes, absolutely. When I started, there was the student newspaper and I immediately did begin writing there. But obviously there's a hierarchy as there will be throughout your career. And I think it was very early on blogs in the same way podcasts have become now we're just that lovely place on the internet where you could be yourself and say whatever you want and it could be a bit bad and I think that having a space where we can be a bit bad at the beginning is really so (laughs) important to start so that was I think when I began to really see myself as a writer to take myself seriously I started my career at British Vogue. I swiftly moved away from fashion when it became clear that as fun as that was, that wasn't quite where my passion led. But it was when I came across this topic, alonement, and I started a new blog, uh, probably my third or fourth blog at that point, around alone time and writing how, as an extrovert, this concept I was discovering about how alone time could also be useful for me I realized at that point that I wanted my career to divert so that it started to I think tie together those two strands of the personal and professional writing that had always been in conflict with each other and actually become one thing which is how I started podcasting how I started blogging and when that then drew a lot of attention how I eventually was able to get a book deal after finding that passion and I guess finding the confidence to know that my personal writing didn't just have to be personal
0: Mm. it's really good to hear isn't it because I think people forget that you can sort of try lots of different things before stumbling on the thing and of course there might be another thing in the future of course But I had lots of different blogs as well with lots of different names and lots of different, I don't know, just ways of trying to figure out what I was trying to do. And sometimes I look back on like my Facebook memories and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that I started that website and then it slowly died. (laughs) Um, But that's really great to hear. And I think that sometimes we forget that blogging was a huge part of a lot of people's careers. And I know that some, I mean, someone recently said like, oh, I've been following you since your blog. And I felt this kind of like feeling of shame almost of like, oh my God, you've read, you've read the worst of my writing basically. But then I thought how nice that people are still there.
1: Yeah, completely. It's so lovely when someone's followed you throughout your career there. And I think that, you know, while we might look back and see it as bad, I don't know about you, but I also find kernels, I suppose, of ideas that I write about now in those old mm-hmm. blogs that, you know, have really developed since but there was some sort of I don't know maybe in authenticity uh you know cliche buzzword but there was an authenticity truly in being able to write when uh you know rightly or perhaps wrongly in your case given <laughs> given that experience with with a follower that you know you thought no one was looking uh, I guess it's like mm-hmm. you know dance like there's no one watching sometimes being able to write like that especially on the internet can feel difficult, but I think being able to do that early on in your career and get used to that can, yeah, actually be quite a positive experience too. Yes,
0: for sure. For sure. I mean, to write, I think in any way you have to shut people off and it was a good practice for that, I think. Um, But that's so great. And so I wanted to talk about alonement. So for people who look at you now, traveling the world alone and going taking yourself off for solo dates and being someone that really enjoys being by yourself I guess they'd be surprised to hear that you once upon a time didn't like that and I've read in previous interviews that you've said that you you really did go through a phase of hating being by yourself and that you would sleep on friends sofas to avoid spending any time with your own thoughts and also I think that was after a breakup I think you wrote about But um, that surprised me. I didn't actually know that in full detail either. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that light bulb moment? Because was it a New Year's resolution as well where you were like, this has to kind of stop? Well, you know, not punishing yourself, (laughs) but good to spend some time alone.
1: Yes. uh, I think everyone who first discovers my work without necessarily knowing the backstory thinks that I would be an introvert sort of preaching, uh, you know, like proselytizing the lifestyle that has always come naturally to me. But the truth is I formerly pre-2019, yeah, pre, uh, really the beginning of that, I never saw even value in time alone. I think that, you know, and, and, it, and it, ha- it happens from childhood. I think if you're a chatty child, as I was, that's something that always gets praised and you always get praised by how engaging you can be in the company of others. And you don't get praised for the time that you spend in the corner reading a book, which is something I very much liked to do as a child as well, but I was always told off. I mean, I think I'm remembering this now, but I remember um, sitting you know, during PE lessons, trying to kind of sidle off. Uh, you know, when you're sort of lined up for rounders, or uh, definitely during tennis lessons, I remember doing this: going and sitting and reading Harry Potter on the sidelines. And that was always the wrong thing to do. And in going and engaging was always the right thing to do. So I never nurtured that side of myself. And I think that many of us are socialised to be like that when we're growing up. Now the reason it changed for me it was actually very much not even a plan b it was a plan d maybe a plan d after um i went through a breakup in late 2018 in uh, in november 2018 my breakups always seem to happen in mid-november for some reason It's a curse but that that happened and I realized, oh God, my usual coping strategy for going through a breakup, which was to surround myself with other people, to not be with my own thoughts, to definitely couple up again as soon as possible, facilitated by lots and lots of terrible dating updates. It wasn't really working. And I was also living alone at that point. I'd been in the process of moving in with my ex-boyfriend and then I was living alone for the first time in my life when almost all of my close friends were cohabiting. Um, And then three actually got, three out of four of my close friends got engaged in the same month the, uh, the early the next year. So it was all, everything was changing around me. I was alone in my life stage. I was alone physically. I was alone relationship status wise. And I really didn't like it. So as I say, the plan D, not the plan B, not the plan C, it happened because I realized that actually everything I was doing was driven by a fear of being alone. I think I touched upon something that my mother had always said to me. She's a, you know, a, an introvert. She definitely would never have even felt the need to write this book because it seemed so obvious to her. But she always used to say to me, you need to spend some time alone. You need to try and do that. And I mean, I don't know what came over me. I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever thought this, but I thought maybe my mother is right. And I decided I was going to make my New Year's resolution in January, not to necessarily love being alone, but definitely to become more comfortable with it and to start experimenting around that. And that's what set off the wheel of motion that became one of the, well, I would say the most uh, important personal journeys of my adult life. I love hearing you
0: talk about that because... There's something really important, I think, as well, what you just said about not learning to absolutely love it necessarily, but, but learning to accept it or lean into it. Because I feel like, and this isn't the same, but sometimes, you know, when people are like, oh, you should love your body or something or like, or we should love, love ourselves all the time. And it's like, actually, that can also put a pressure on us. And isn't it okay yeah. just to kind of have like a neutral about it, but you're, but you're still looking at it in the eye.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really I've never actually thought about that analogy with uh, body positivity and body neutrality, but I think that that's so interesting because it's so it's so right. It's like well, surely you, the first rung on the ladder would be body neutrality, right? And I think you know I know that Emma, you're a big fan of the you know the moderate approach to things, the the sort sort of Oliver Berkman, who I know you've had on this show, the the approach to You know, getting a little bit better at uh, spending your time well, and you know, being a little bit happier. And I think that that's yeah, that's the route that I went down. Being a little bit better at time alone, not to not so that I ended up being a professional champion of it, although that did happen. Um, (laughs) But you know, initially, just being able to spend time with my own thoughts and not feel the need to reach for. A Tinder date or spending an evening on WhatsApp, which I was increasingly realizing weren't particularly fulfilling, uh, life affirming ways to spend my time. But it, you know, it did come from there. It did turn into a place of, I guess I could call my, my whole brand alone positivity, or at least looking for the positive in being alone, but it, it was a gradual process. Yes. I love that.
0: And talking about, you know, the fear of being alone, because I think that would resonate to a lot of people who maybe haven't even taken the first step. They might be really resonating with the sort of you pre-discovering alonement and leaning into it. And I guess, yeah, I wanted to talk about some of the challenges that you might have felt at first, because I know for me, I love spending time alone. It's, we've spoken about it on your podcast, but I've definitely taken that approach of kind of taking baby steps and then getting up to, Pushing myself to like have a full two weeks alone or something, which I couldn't have done straight away. But I remember some of the challenges for me were like, it's going to make me sound a bit mad, but I'd be on my own. And then I'd sort of be like looking at myself in the mirror and be like, it's just me and you, (laughs) you know, and just have those moments of like, I think I could go slightly bonkers if I sort of don't take some measures to enjoy this and find ways to kind of not just sit there like with myself overthinking things.
1: Yeah, I think that that is such a universal experience, actually. I really like how you describe that sitting with yourself. It's so fundamental. And I think that there is no past me. Also, when we speak about this, I'm not speaking in past tense about myself either. I still feel those things exactly as you do on an almost daily basis because that is the natural stage. You know, we sit with our own thoughts and we're so accustomed to drowning them out. And we have so many wonderful things around us, particularly our phones, uh, you know, but also the pressures of of our bosses, of our families, of our friends, all of those things. We have so many wonderful distraction methods that sitting with our own thoughts is not something that we naturally gravitate towards. I think even quite recently, I've been traveling by myself and there's always that moment when you reach the hotel room and you're like, oh God, it's all on me. All those fears, all those logistics, all of that. And you know that you have this big stretch of time by yourself. The only way that I've come to terms with that is realizing that the fear of not sitting with my own thoughts, the fear of not meeting myself on a regular basis, the fear of not pushing myself to do the things alone that I want to, and effectively leading the more meaningful, enhanced life that comes from being able to do that, that's a greater fear than the fear immediately of mm-hmm. my own thoughts. And that's the only thing that's changed for me. It's not It's not that I don't still slip into that fear. And in some ways, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but in some ways that alone month has been a harder challenge for me now because in the process of the pandemic I went from a full-time staff job to self-employed for instance and obviously the pandemic in and of itself I've had a lot more alone time in my life so it's not been necessarily always easy there's been new challenges that have presented themselves around being alone day to day you know month to month but the main thing I know is that alone time is something that's valuable if I can do it in a quality way. Uh, and it's that value rather than an ability. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that val- it's knowing that that value is there that's important. And I suppose the other thing that you alluded to, the idea of being alone with your thoughts and being alone with yourself, it does take skills. And I think this is a term that I use in my book and I think it's one of the most important terms solitude skills effectively the opposite to social skills are the things that you do when you are then sitting with yourself and thinking oh god how am I going to get through this and there's a mixture of them some of them are more about connecting with yourself and that's the emotional regulation stuff we all uh, like to do or at least think we should be doing like meditation journaling all of those things, yoga, running, whatever. Um, And then there's the proactive skills around actually balancing that time with social and solo time so that we're able to actually make that a positive experience because it's not a more is more approach. It can often be a less is more Mm -hmm. approach towards alone time. And I suppose the challenges that I've faced and that probably many people listening to this might face are that, Actually alone time, if if you have a weekend and you haven't made plans and you actually might've wanted to make plans, it's really, it's hard to value. You need to, it, this, this stuff all works and thrives in a framework. It's a lot more complicated than just, do you like alone time or not? I suppose it's been challenging to encounter those challenges along the way, uh, writing and podcasting about this subject. But it's made it ever more richer and I think ever more applicable to different experiences. Even the life stages I've gone through personally in the process of representing this. It's an ever compelling topic, but it is a lot more complex, I suppose, than I ever gave it credit for at the beginning.
0: Yes, very true. I am the same. I think I could talk about it for hours because of that and how complex it is and how, I guess for me, I'm also interested in the line between getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself, challenging yourself, growing, self-improvement, you know, all these things that are good for us versus the fact that we're social animals and we need each other and pushing myself to have two weeks by myself because I feel I should it's like that's almost like a fine line between punishing myself sometimes. And I know that listening um, to other people talk about it, I've sometimes been like, God, if you really don't like it that much, why do it? But then so much of it in the end is a benefit to the person like just a quick example is someone that I follow who's trying to write a script at the moment she was like I took myself off into you know the cabin in the woods style thing for like a month on her own she hated it she was miserable she woke up every day just like what what am I doing and then she at the end of it basically had all of these sort of light bulb moments and she found a discovery and she she talks about it fondly in retrospect and I find that fascinating because it doesn't sound like she enjoyed it at the time.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a hard one because I do think intrinsically alone time is, is great when it's joyful, but the way I define alone once, it's either joyful or it's restorative, uh, and, and fulfilling, you know, or it's both, but sometimes it is just fulfilling. I think that, uh, the romantic poets certainly wrote about how solitude and sometimes loneliness could be a force for creativity it can be rewarding in that sense but it takes a couple of days when i had erling haggie who is a one of the greatest living uh, polar explorers of this time he he spoke about traveling to the south pole and how uh, ultimately he did you know he was there alone for 50 days and 50 nights Ultimately, that felt a lot less lonely than living in London, which was a very poignant thing to hear, I think. But he did say it took maybe two, three days until he actually felt that he was with himself. And I think that that's the challenge many of us have, particularly when we're used to fast paced city addictions. Uh, You know, it's almost like a digital detox. Um, You know, as you talk about in your book can actually be quite a harsh thing and maybe an unrealistic thing to do. Cutting off completely can be difficult. Sometimes that loneliness, that solitude in extreme circumstances, you know, and I say extreme, perhaps when you are trying to write a script or a book, perhaps that can be something to challenge yourself with. Uh, Perhaps that can be a useful discomfort. But day-to-day in general... I think it's important to be able to almost forgive yourself for being a social creature as well as a solo creature. It's funny. I would love to speak to uh, maybe an anthropologist or something about this. I'm not even sure who the right person to ask would be, but it's almost like we have this evolutionary uh, uh, need for being a social animal, but something I think that makes us human rather than animal is this yearning as well to be, Alone, and I don't really know. if We can say how evolutionary that is, where where that comes from. Uh, if I was going to get uh, spiritual about it, I would say that's that's our soul. But it's important to balance that part of us with knowing that, effectively, you know, in the same way we need water, we do need that social time. That that's those are needs which must be balanced in order to enable us to thrive. Allowing yourself that can be important. I don't want anyone to, I suppose, listen to the work that I do and think that they almost have, I don't know, sort of productivity guilt equivalent around being alone. And I'll be quite frank with the fact that I initially might've put that on myself when I was still exploring the concept. I thought, oh, I've really got so much from being alone. And then, you know, if that didn't work the next month, if a solo date or a solo trip away didn't quite feel as good as it had the previous month, I'd think, oh, God, look at me sort of undermining my own brand almost. You know, this was early on when I was writing about it. And it was only through actually being able to give myself that compassion and say, no, no, I am an extrovert. I spent 28 years of my life the best part of purely defining myself by my extraversion this isn't a pressure I need to put on myself necessarily mm-hmm. and it's made both states both the social state and the solo state richer for it through looking for the right balance
0: and that's why I really like your work because it is a nuanced look at this topic that's what your book is that's why it's been you know, picked in lots of amazing, credible roundups. And people have absolutely loved it because yeah, you're not saying, it's not a simplistic thing of like, I'm going to write about alone time. And I think that's why people get confused when we talk about like the power of alone time. You know, there's lots of people that come out of the woodwork and say, but remote working is making us lonelier. And we live in a society of individualism where people are just walking around being selfish and alone. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about. And I like the more spiritual layered approach of talking about it as well, because it means I think we can turn up for other people better and be better people when we have spent time alone and when we know ourselves better and we know ourselves more deeply and we can almost hold and contain our own emotions properly or better so that we can sort of take on other people's problems and help them more, if that makes
1: sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was uh, I was reading the School of Life's book, uh, An Emotional Education, the other day. In fact, I was reading a particular segment of it, which was talking about the need for alone time. And that idea of being a better person to others was touched upon in that quite often social interaction, particularly if you... Or a sensitive person that can it can take a lot out of you and and maybe someone might say something to you and you might feel a certain way about it and it you know it might it might just be that it's touched a nerve of your own insecurity your own something but it's only through going away and and journaling about that or just thinking about that spending a bit of time grounded and reflecting it's only through that that you can come back and not act from a place of reactivity that you can come back and, and be yourself again and reset. And it's so necessary to have that time, a way to recover from social interaction. And I think that it's important to have those tangible examples, um, you know, if, if when someone says something funny or, you know, perhaps you're in a group dynamic. And I don't know, I realized this about myself um, quite recently, actually, because I was on a group trip for solos, which is, a. it might seem like a contradiction, but everyone sort of comes alone. And Quite a lot of the evenings, people were going out, um, out dancing until sort of 2 a.m., which is really fun once in a while. But I guess I realized about myself, this just doesn't quite work for me. This isn't quite what makes me feel, uh, I don't know, feel energized. I kind of prefer being very much on during the day. And it was only through being able to sort of leave a little early one evening and and wake up the next morning and realize, Oh, I'm I'm giving so much more to the group now having had that recovery uh, and having not necessarily subscribed to something, which was maybe an overriding group identity, but not mine. It was only through doing that, that I remembered who I was. And you do, I think that's the purpose of alone time. Sometimes just remembering who you are, because as much as when we're younger, we're taught to fit in. The better thing I think is actually just turning up as yourself and through doing that, you can, you know, you can inspire, you can give others permission to act in a certain way, or, you know, maybe you can inspire them to be themselves.
0: Yes, I totally know what you mean. And I I know that on your podcast, we touched on the fact that there doesn't seem to be as many kind of aspirational solo influences or influencers on this topic. And yeah, I was just wondering who who has been sort of an inspiration to you in this space or did you feel like there wasn't anyone so you kind of had to go and be it yourself
1: actually the latter it's funny you say that but you know there were all sorts of you know wonderful uh, creative people that touch upon solitude i can't even open a publication without seeing someone talk about solitude to be honest um and i know that you know many people in the in the lifestyle space i think uh, ariana Huffington to just you know pick an example out of thin air, talk you know spoke a lot about that at one point, uh, but consistently no, I think I have had to be that person for myself, almost bringing it all together. That's been very freeing in a way. It's been difficult because it's very scary. While I have career inspirations, very much including yourself, and in, you know that I can say I love the way that you use the medium of podcasting the medium of books in in terms of actually just exploring this topic i haven't had anyone I, I the only i suppose in terms of like ideas the key inspirations from the start were actually more academic researchers who were almost almost just giving me the permission to talk about this through their their research so uh, there was a there's a, a professor a dr virginia thomas um, in america who she coined the term Solitude skills. And it was looking through that that I was actually able to form a language a little bit more around what I was thinking about. I'm a coiner of the phrase alone, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because when I wanted to have a word to describe when alone time was inherently positive, I couldn't find one. So I invented one. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. And so many people have had the permission slip via you, which is, which must be a really, really good feeling. But I I thought as well, we could just touch on quickly, I guess the context of the world we're in now. I mean, I think you said as well in a recent interview that you wrote the book about being alone while living alone, while working (laughs) alone in the middle of a lockdown. I mean, we've all had a bit of a trial of alone time. I mean, even some people kind of stuck in a madhouse of loads of kids and family members, I'm sure they were then craving that alone time and even looking at it in a new light. All people have been sort of really trapped by themselves in a way that they never thought would ever happen do you have anything kind of from your learnings on this topic in the context of us going back out into the world I mean do you think that this could have been a turning point and more people could have looked inwards
1: the interesting thing about the pandemic is that it as you identify it wasn't the same pandemic for everyone for some it was extremes of being around others um and for some, it was extremes of. I would even say loneliness because we didn't have the natural things that we need in our day to feel sort of, you know, almost even comfortably mm-hmm. alone. We didn't have the incidental coffee shop communication that would then let us smile to ourselves and go home and think, "Oh, that was nice." Uh, yeah. Right now, to, now to work. Now to you know, now to do this. Or so I've done a lot of reading around uh, you know loneliness and and aloneness and 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 actually. There are all different sorts of social connections that we need in our lives. And one of them is that incidental sort of community-based contact, which is not, you know, not so much intense chats, but yeah, just that short interaction, um, you know, but I, I do digress. I think that it's been, it's definitely been a hot topic. I'll put it that way. Um, and in many ways in, you know, at the time it was not necessarily the best thing. And I don't think, it would have been particularly useful for someone to at least be told they had to enjoy that alone time or to even put that on themselves. It wasn't really useful for anyone to put any pressure on themselves really during the pandemic. However, I would imagine from a lot of the readers, the listeners that have contacted me in the wake of this time, that it has given people a new appreciation. I think that alone time can sometimes be a fluctuating commodity, Uh, given you know how much of it or how little of it you get Um, and you know for for those you know trapped in households where you know with um, a load of kids a load of housemates you know a a partner whatever who didn't feel that they could have much time away it's definitely uh, you know I imagine it's been put on a pedestal a little bit uh, and they've actually perhaps realized through trial and error I can only imagine that Actually taking that back in the day, that government mandated walk alone was the thing that allowed their relationship to thrive, which is a really key alonement lesson. So, you know, I hope in that way it's introduced people to it. I hope for those who were actually forced to spend more time alone than they'd been used to, whether that was, uh, you know, through living alone, whether that was through not being able to see the close confidants in person that they would usually spend time with. I hope that, even though that might have been a difficult journey uh, as i you know as I'll say it was it was for me living alone as well. I hope that it's at least proved to them that they can cope, that there are consolations and you know perhaps even jewels to be found in that. Mm. It's not something you'd wish on anyone uh just as the breakup that sparked this whole thing is not something I would have ever wished on myself, but actually that discomfort can really really help you grow through facing that fear and so I hope that that's at least been edifying for some people and you know even if it hasn't the consolation is being alone now trying out alonement now it is not the same as doing it in a pandemic and you know take it from someone who wrote a book about being alone while living alone during a pandemic it's a whole different kettle of fish and it can be so much more easily integrated into a thriving happy life now that's such a good point That's such a good point. Amazing. Well, thank
0: you. And um, I was going to go off on another tangent, but you know what, maybe we'll have to do another episode one day (laughs) where we continue the conversation. But thank you so much for your amazing book, for your podcast, for this conversation. And yeah, for inspiring people to, you know, not even necessarily need to go and travel the world alone. But this this is more of a conversation around day to day, like accessibility of being alone more as well, which I absolutely love. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Emma.